This episode of the Sticks and Blades podcast is brought to you by Quite Trill Radio, the best hip-hop internet radio show on the planet. If you know me or you train with me in the past, you know that I hate to train in silence, and that's where Quite Trill comes in. Quite Trill is the soundtrack to all of my training sessions. Quite Trill Radio has over 50-plus episodes that are about two hours apiece that are going to bring you some of the best in hip-hop, soul, and R&B, as well as underground hip-hop music. To listen, follow them on Facebook or Instagram at Quite Trill Worldwide. That's Quite, Q-U-I-T-E, Trill, T-R-I-L-L, Worldwide. Quite Trill Radio. to the sticks and blades podcast for episode seven i'm your host doug marsh and my guest today this brother he's looked at sometimes as being a controversial figure in the fma i don't think he's controversial at all i think he's more of a truth teller you might know him from funker tactical aperture fight forum or you might know him from his hilarious ass videos on tiktok and instagram welcome to the show mr paulo rubio how you doing man I am doing well. Um, first of all, thank you to you for having me over. And uh, thanks to the listeners as well for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely, man. I know you took this on short notice. Uh, so I'm going to try to respect your time and everything. and But uh, definitely try to hash some things out that I think the people will enjoy. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, man. So my first question is always a leadership question. Um, but I have to restructure it because of who I'm talking to now. But uh, the question is, how do you define leadership and what do you think makes a good leader? Wow, great question. Um, I've always been a firm believer in leading by example. Uh, I say this from the perspective of a follower, not as a leader, because oftentimes because of the nature of who I am, I often fall short of the leadership qualities that I actually admire in other people, folks like, you know, Juan Jared, for example, I tend to be floaty and like more like a butterfly floating from one idea to the next. And what I seek in leadership is that whole acta non verba philosophy in that you can talk a big game all you want, but I need to, as a, as a follower, as a student, I need to be able to see that the chosen leader um, is demonstrative of the concepts and principles that he or she speaks on. So primarily, that's number one for me. Um, I, I want to see them in the trenches and act according to their word and not just send commands down the line. So, And that, that bleeds into a whole lot of other things. But primarily, it would be a matter of uh, integrity, um, doing the right thing even when no one's looking. That's, that's, what I, that's what leadership means to me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's a good definition as well. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, it's one thing to talk the talk, but you got to walk the walk, too. Absolutely. 
I, yeah, 100%. Most especially in Filipino martial arts today, where I believe when somebody proposes the value of sparring, they should spar. And uh, um, I, I believe there is no age limitation to that. There's no condition that can be present whereby somebody is excluded from sparring. I've seen somebody like Tuhan Philip Jelina, uh, Dog Brothers Canada, uh, also a PTK guy. Um, this dude sparred hard, and it was mildly disappointing for me to watch him spar in the Philippines because people gave him such a, a high degree of respect that they didn't really challenge him in the way that I know after having spoken to him, he wanted to be challenged. So over 60, year old, 60 years old, this man, and he was throwing down with some young bucks, and I could see the frustration in his face when they were showing too much respect because he's a dog brother and he's a he's a Pikini tertian and he's a kaju kembo guy so uh he's always on that chase that's one guy i absolutely look up to and he's uh he's an inspiration with regards to oh i'm too old to spar or i've attained a level or rank that excludes me from sparring um so yeah just shout out to him shout out to Han jared as well shout out to anyone who studies Pikini tertia and throws down and explores because I think this art uh, not only demands, but deserves hard contact. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's part of what we do. I mean, um, I've said on this show before, and I'm sure you know, I'm a Pikiti Tertia guy. And uh, the people that I came up with uh, that was real instrumental in my development were two people that they don't get talked about too often. Uh, Robert Slimkowski and uh, Ricky Riera. You ever hear those names before? I've actually heard great things about Slumkowski from Tuhan Jared, and I've only had a limited interaction with him. But, man, there's a lot of people who are unsung heroes, hidden gems in the world of Pikiti Tertia. And uh, it's part of my mandate to uh, uplift those people as well. They deserve to be known. A lot of journeys are worth uh, reexamining, especially from the student's perspective. So much has happened in the near history of Pikiti Tertia. Um, you know, sometimes involving some not so positive things, some breaking away and breaking apart. Um, but there are a lot of people who, uh, by virtue of Grand Tuhan's travels, he, this guy spread a lot of information. And uh, I believe it's true that he teaches certain things to certain individuals, primarily based on their character. And if that's true, then, you know, we ought to look at Pikiti Tersha as this massive, puzzle that is worth putting together, at least from our own perspective. I don't think one person can put this puzzle together and say, this is Bikini Tosha. But I think the process of trying to put it together is the process of Bikini Tosha. And it, it, it pays homage to its very roots, you know? Um, when the old guys, you know, the old dudes, uh, uncles and grandfathers and granduncles of Grand Tuhan, they did travel and they picked apart systems and they took back what was needed. Um, actually, as a side note, I wish GT, you know, would actually reveal if he knows the mother influences, sister influences of what ended up becoming the Pichidi Tersha curriculum. Because I see a lot of similarities. And while I love Pichidi Tersha, I have the logo tattooed on my forearm. I understand that. It, it is a stew. 
it has to be for for a system to be this vast with this much depth and breadth it couldn't have come from one source and it certainly for it, it didn't come from one source it would just be nice if we could know and name and give homage and honor to those sources yeah absolutely no I, I agree with you wholeheartedly man i mean there's I'm I'm a student of FMA, you know, not just Bikiti Tersha. Mm-hmm. Bikiti Tersha is my yes. base, but there's yes. other F, there's other FMAs that I've I've been a part of to where I've trained with certain guys privately or or I've just studied, you know, academically looking at things. And mm-hmm. if you take a look at let's say something like San Miguel Escrima with their uh, Espadi Daga, there's a lot of uh, similarities between the Espadi Daga work in uh, San Miguel Escrima. Uh, with something, let's say, uh, like the Sagitas, is very similar. You know, I, I bet, I bet. Yeah, you you just look at some of the old school stuff, and you and you'll see it right away. Um, I don't know if Grand Tuhan would ever admit <laughs> admit that being a uh, an influence within the art, uh, but but it's definitely there. And I'm of the opinion when it comes to Pekiti Tertia, the thing that people always leave out is the logo okay the logo is important and it and it has mm-hmm. all the different points of the logo they have their meaning but the one that i mm-hmm. think is left out a lot is the arrows and, and the arrows mm-hmm. they mean evolution and change you know over time so i would imagine that whatever came about of Pekiti tertia in 1897 from conrado tortal that the way it is today and the things that we're seeing in between 1897 and today that there had to be some type of influence outside of the Tortal family to make it what it is. For sure. And interesting, interestingly enough, these arrows begin and end in the same spot, depending on where you choose to begin and end. So there's, there's that also, you know, these are directional arrows that essentially go into a, an infinity loop. You know, we begin where we end and, you know, it falls in line with some of the Tuhans that I've spoken with, where they characterize their Tuhanship as the beginning of study, not the end of study, uh, which is interesting for a beginner to observe because we see Tuhans as someone who has, okay, they've gotten this, but the Tuhans that I've spoken with, they see it as a beginning. So yeah, very interesting stuff, man. Very interesting stuff. It it is. And just to touch on the Tuhans a lot of times, what what people fail to realize is that these guys they don't have it all together, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful no. manner. They're all they are. They're merely advanced students of the art. That's all they are. They're advanced students. Uh, they're not necessarily sources of information per se, but they're they're just advanced students that have you know all this experience. But at the same time, they're still seeking their truth as well. For sure. No, I, I absolutely agree. And let me just say that not every Pekiti Tersha Tuhan is created equal either. Observing some paths, um, not know, and you know, fully understanding that I don't know this person, right? I don't know, and I'm only judging based on a limited set of considerations. But if I see one Tuhan who took two decades to get there and another one who took three years to get there, I'm going to have some questions. And, you know, what's, what's the ultimate metric? Uh, how how does one deserve Tuhanship? Um, I can cite the PTTA because I'm closely associated uh, with Jared because he's a friend of mine. Uh, we make videos together. But the criteria for them um, are, are threefold. Um, knowledge of the system, 
skills and otherwise your ability to execute that knowledge. And finally, character, right? You can, like, you won't be able to become a fucking asshole, dickhead, Tuhan in the PTTA, no matter how skilled and knowledgeable you may be, right? You may have good character and you may have great knowledge, but if you can't execute them, you will not become a Tuhan in the, in the PTTA. And to my understanding, this, this is, this is, I mean, also for PTI, I know the, P, the PTI standards for Tuhanship, it's, it's damn near impossible to attain, you know? Um, so I value that. I value that very much. The idea that this, this, this three pronged combination uh, are interdependent and then you cannot become a Tuhan just because you studied the system really, really good. You can't apply it. And for me, I think I can apply a lot of these concepts very, very well in fights and in matches, but I don't have the knowledge and my character may be questionable to some, right? So I, 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 I don't seek that stuff, but that's, I think that's a great, um, I think those are great criteria to begin with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to speak a little bit on, you know, people that, that are getting these two ships, you know, kind of early on. Uh, if you look at some of the, I don't want to call them older two Hans, but the more seasoned two Hans, the guys that have been with, uh, with GT the longest, you know, going back mm -hmm. to uh, someone, someone like Phil, uh, someone, uh, like my teacher, Leslie Buck, uh, Jared, of course. And, and there's other two Hans out there that, you know, they're kick ass. They have, they have, uh, excellent command of the system. The thing about it, they got with GT at a point in his life to where I feel he was still in his physical prime. So he could really mm -hmm. put them through the ringer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to talk about that. And again, I'm not being disrespectful, but you know, the, the level of training that somebody gets when from a source, when they're in their physical prime is totally different than the, than what you get now. You know what I mean? It's like kids, uh, right? I, if you have, if dude. you have, if you have kids, here, let me just make my point real quick and we'll we'll let you talk. <laughs> if you have mm. kids, that first kid is going to get the shit job of parenting. They're going to get all the hardcore <laughs> stuff, right? They're going to yeah. get yelled at, screamed at. And by the time you get down the line, you know, you're like, well, pretty much fuck it, man. We, we I'm going to go ahead and let them eat a Snickers for dinner or something. It ain't going to kill them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's true. It's absolutely true. And, and, you know, man, I love bouncing these ideas off you. And let me go ahead and do that with regards to children, right? The, 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 the first child is definitely that. And my expectation of my eldest child is to help me raise the subsequent ones. So it's, it's sort of, it's a little bit sad, this whole breakup, right? Because these, you know, quote, bastards of Bikini, I observe as being some of the best. Um, and the new Hans, I love that term, by the way, new Hans. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> I, I, I want to say this about the new Hans as well. I'm not condemning individuals because I still think that with dedicated, mindful practice, you can absolutely expedite the path to becoming a two Han. It's unlikely. Right. It takes a very special person and a, and very special circumstances that would allow that. So I don't want to also lump all the new Tuhans into the same category because I think that would be unfair. Um, 
But the thing that I wanted to interrupt you with was to speak about Tuhan Leslie Buck. Because I've never met this person ever, uh-huh. right? But from what I've seen from his video presentations and how he presents the Pikiti Tertia curriculum, I am 100% like on board. I want to meet him. I want to break bread with him. I want to learn from him if he will have me because I believe a part of my gift, right? A part of my skill set is being able to uh, filter through these artificialities with the, with these social media mediums, right? Like I can watch a video, uh, a part of a video, a fraction of a video, and I feel like I can dissolve these filters of, you know, marketing principles and video editing and, and circumstances surrounding the filming session and really see the heart of a person and understand a little bit better their character. He's a and two hundred Leslie Buck is one of those people, man. So, wh- what do you what do you have to say about your experience with him? How how is he? Well, I'll say this, man. He's a brother. You know, um, I met him back in two thousand and two. Okay, I was uh I was living up in Austin at the time, and I was looking for a place to train, and I had a hard time finding places. And I eventually broke down and went to the Yellow Pages. And kids, if you don't know what that is, that's that sorry ass book that comes on your porch every now and again. <laughs> it's yeah. before really before Google. So yeah. um I went in there and I saw in in the martial arts section it said Indonesian and Filipino martial arts. So I, I called up the number and, and Leslie answered the phone and we talked about it and I pursued him for uh Pinjok Silat, uh Mande Muda, before I went to him about Pikiti Tertia. And uh, immediately, like upon meeting this guy, uh, he had a very humble spirit. You know what I mean? Like, like big time. Yeah. At, at, yeah. At, at the time, I'm I'm about 23 years old, and he was about 27. And the thing that that caught me was the fact that here's this guy. He's a little older than me, but he's teaching these classes like he's an absolute expert. You know, he's like wise beyond his years. And when we would do, you know, when we would bow in to, uh, to Pakiti, which eventually I started training with him in, uh, we wouldn't say Tuhan, we would say Guru. You know, so he never saw, at the time, he was like a mandala or something like that. But he never, mm-hmm. he never ever let on, like, who he was in the grand scheme of things. I didn't find out, I didn't find out who Leslie was until, like, maybe six months into training with him. And and that was because we had this thing down here called the Texas uh, Colleague Mastery Camp. And the first one, the first one we had in 02, they made a, pro- a promotional video. And so in this promotional video, Leslie's like going off, man. I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, we don't do this in class. The fuck is this? <laughs> <You know? laughs> we don't do this. Yeah. And so I, I like started, that. I started to kind of do my research and I found out that at the time, you know, uh, like here in Texas, at that particular time, there were uh, the the high profile person was Tim Wade, and Leslie was like basically right there neck and neck with this guy, but he never talked about mm. who he was. But uh, can you fight? Can as, Leslie? Can, can he throw down with the sticks? Have you ever seen that? I've never sparred him before, but he has okay. a repu- he has a he has a reputation, man. Um, 
a lot of the a lot of the old heads they say that he he put in a lot of work over there in the Philippines, like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so people that have been around the system, they may have seen a whole lot more than me, but uh, and I've known him eighteen years, but I I've never sparred him. You know, a lot of times mm. it's just it's academic study and things like that. Hey, can I ask you a question? I know this is your this is kind of your podcast, but this is an important question I think that I've asked uh, quite a few Tuhans and Mandalas and and Agalons also. Um, so GT is over eighty years old, right? And he's right. been doing this for a really long time, right? So if all of a sudden Grand Tuhan decides to change elements uh, of the Pikiti Tersha curriculum adds new things, removes old things, for example. How much value should we hold that? Um, should we just blindly follow and go, oh, okay, this is a, this is, he's been teaching this way for 20, 30 years, and he thinks this way is better now. Considering where he is in life, over 80 years old, right? Likely not banging around and experimenting in the way he used to be able to. Mm -hmm. um, speaking for yourself, and perhaps, you know, consider what others may think. If GT today, here's my question. If GT today proposes modifications to Pikiti Tersha Kali, should we accept it? Yes or no? I'll say this. Um, having, again, a, a relationship with some of the, the older guys that nobody talks about, um, it's already kind of happened. You know, like straight up. It, it's, it's already happened. Um, I've. I'll keep nameless. What's already happened? Uh, as far as new elements of the system that come about, that things that probably weren't taught uh, back in the eighties. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's newer things, like the 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 drill of the day that everybody sees is a is a sabayan. They yeah. a lot of these guys they said, well, that wasn't taught back in the eighties. Um, there was a there was a guy that, again, I'll keep him nameless just out of respect, we talked for, for hours one time, and he said what he sees in Pekiti now versus what uh, the way it was when he was coming up is the mm -hmm. lack of close quarter uh, application. He said now it seems like it's a little bit more largo. You know, he's like mm -hmm. back He's like back in the days, we it was about getting in and just putting <clears throat> in that work. And, yeah. and, and, and just to go back to, to uh, Ricky Riera and, and Robert Slimkowski, Robert Robert is one of the most explosive human beings I've ever seen. He's incredible. You know, he's uh he's terrifying to stand across from when you spar him. <laughs> yeah. And but he's he he has this ability to generate uh what we call and when I say we, our little circle of friends, we call it broken energy. So pretty much the the amount of force that you can generate at long range, he's able to generate that within a couple of feet. And and it's devastating. Well, that wasn't something that was uncommon back in the old days. You know what I mean? Right. So I it would make sense. Logically speaking, I would think that as the man ages, he would want to create more distance and play that that you know medio largo game. That would make because right now, man, I love clinching. I love the up close game a lot. You know, um, blade rules kind of doesn't really facilitate that in sparring because we get broken up right um i do like a hybrid of dog brother style where 
we can engage in the clinch and allow um, combatants to resolve that. Um, blade rules would typically give, you know, four or five seconds and then break it up. It also doesn't make sense to me, for example, um, that we would be rolling around on the ground for prolonged periods of time. I mean, I don't know what to do if my mask comes off, if your glove comes off, can I puno you in the chest? Can I, you know what I mean? So it becomes, the thing about the Dog Brothers that I love, and this is what draws me to it, I feel like while it carries principles of Bikiti and other arts, it's really about testing your balls, man. It's really about actually fighting, shedding, you know, sometimes um, purely Bikiti Tersha concepts. Because when you're on the ground and you're rolling around and you have sticks, which are meant to be swords, and, you know, that fight ended a long time ago, right? Like, we would have both been pretty cut up and, you know, bleeding and exhausted. And they allow it to continue. Um, so anyway, my, my point was it makes sense that uh, GT would have uh, preferential emphasis as he himself progressed through the system. Have you heard of a specific set of clinch fighting drills in Pekiti Tersha? Because Tuhan Jared told me about it, uh, and he's he's kind of been putting the pieces together, something that was taught to him a while back in the 90s. But apparently there's an entire set of like, almost wrestling-based, clinch fighting, but purely Pichiti Tersha set of like uh, clinch drills, which I'm, I'm excited to see. I've never seen. I'm curious if you have. No, I've, I've never seen those before. You know, so uh, what you just asked, it kind of plays into to what I was about to say. You know, so, mm -hmm. you know, I was talking about all the close range stuff. And and uh, I guess the evolution to where now it's a little bit more Largo and things like that. What it boils down to is, again, when did these people train with GT? You know yeah. what I mean? So it's all a matter of when you when you caught him. So I guess those drills, they might be somewhere out there. Somebody might have them. I mean, yeah. for instance, for instance, I don't know if you ever heard of like the gun Sagitas in Pakiti Tersha. Have you ever heard of that before? I have, I have. Sounds, um, sounds like bullshit. But I mean, <laughs> it sounds like bullshit. But I bet you the principles are sound. I bet you the principles are sound. I bet you the manifestation of it is kind of bullshit. Um, but I do know that there are certain Pichini Tersha principles that are almost directly applicable to, uh, guncraft, particularly with, um, uh, switching sides when you're uh, when you got a rifle presented, switching from left and right shoulder load, uh, triangle footwork. Uh, there's there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, but yeah, I, it sounds like bullshit to me. Yeah, but well, I've never seen it. Well, well, my point my point in that is that uh, there's one person. Again, I'll leave him nameless. I'll tell you off there who he is. But uh, there's one person that had these and was taught this at a, at a particular point in time. So with that clinch stuff, I don't doubt that it's out there, but it's a matter of figuring out who has it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing is, look, here's another thing we can do, right? Like we can look at wrestling, study wrestling, right? Uh, all the clinch drills and the wrist pummeling and the elbow pump, you know, bicep control, all that stuff. We can study that for now in the absence of the Pichiti Tertia modules that teach it. And then we have some sort of, of a foundation with which to filter that information. So we're not just blindly going, holy shit, that's awesome. 
And the same thing with whatever these, these gun seguidas look like. You know, I've hung out with enough, you know, tactical professionals to at the very least academically have an understanding of these gunfighting principles, right? And that I'll never claim that I have a full understanding or an even a practical understanding. But because I have this understanding, when I see gun seguidas, you know, I'm better equipped to go, oh, that, that's a good idea. Uh, execution sucks. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> No, uh, which is, I think, this is part of my mandate also when it comes to stuff like this, right? Uh, is to not blindly accept these principles, um, and be swayed. Like my, my motto when it comes to martial arts is be unimpressed, especially with Filipino martial arts. Be unimpressed, right? I don't care if it's Tuhan Jared, Tuhan Philip, Grand Tuhan himself, right? My, my default stance is I'm not impressed. Let's talk about this. Let's, you know, and I'm like really lucky, bro. I'm really lucky that these awesome individuals are willing to indulge me in these conversations. You know, what? I often feel like I'm like, who the fuck am I? You know, like uh, why, how, how come I'm allowed to ask these questions? Well, because and, you, you ask, you ask a lot of questions and you say a lot of stuff that people are thinking, but they just don't say it. I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be 100 percent honest with you. You know, I, I had never heard of you until you went on uh, Ross Angola's show, uh, People Talking Kali. Like, I'm like, mm -hmm. who? they were like, you know, we're, we have Paulo Rubio coming on. I'm like, who the fuck's Paulo Rubio? <laughs> who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. Who is this guy supposed to be? And, and yeah. you, came, you came on or the show. Or trying to be. Yeah, exactly. Who, who the fuck this guy trying to be? But uh, <laughs> you came you came on the show. And you're like Funker Tactical. I'm like, okay, I've seen those videos before and shit. But you you started laying down some truth, and and, and it's a lot of things that just can't be disputed. And and just to go back to something you said a minute or two ago, you said that uh, you know, it could be things could be looked at through the lens of the Kitty Tertia, right? So I've I've trained enough. You know, I've been in martial arts for like twenty twenty two years. And right I've, on, tra I've trained with a lot of people, a lot of people. And what I what I've done over time, you know, because I've I've decided that this is kind of the route I want to go is to when I see something, it's like, well, that's interesting. How can I fit that into my game? Instead, yeah. instead of instead of compartmentalizing, well, this is a this is an Arnie's move. This is a, a, a an Escrima yeah. move. It's just my move. <clears throat> built on on the knowledge that i have already you know and yeah that's so important though right and it, sometimes it takes people a long time to get there um when i was observing tuhan philip doing espada idaga in the philippines some people were eating it up dude they're like oh my god amazing i was like tuhan i don't get any of this shit and i'm i my brain does not work um in this way where i have to memorize these sequences I don't want to do that. You know, I don't have the time to do that. But if I break it down, I can see movement. You know, I can see when your arms cross and for what purpose. What are the pros and cons of that? I see that the angle one strike does this while, you know what I mean? So I told him that what I was going to do is I was just going to analyze the individual parts and pieces. And in that way, the entire thing became so small. It's yeah. so small. But the, the way it's presented and taught to the masses is vast. And there's a, there's a beauty about that, right? Because in that way, Pikiti Tertia 
can serve uh, different learner types. You know, some people do want, uh, they're perfectionists, you know, they're, um, what are they, completists or whatever. They want every bit of detail. This is how it's taught. This is how it was taught. And that's awesome. For me, I'm just like, that's just like an angle one and then you punch him in the face. You know what right. I mean? So, <laughs> and then I, I learn it in that way. And it sounds like that's kind of what you did too, right? Yeah. So this is the way I kind of view Pikiti Tertia. And this might be, you know, kind of sacrilege to, uh, to people out there, but I'm being a hundred percent honest. There, there really, there really isn't a whole lot to it. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. from what I've seen and, and I've been in the game 18 years and I'm not claiming to be, you know, some type of expert. I mean, to be quite technical, I'm a lock-on guru. That's all I am. I'm a supposed assistant instructor. But from what I've seen, the way the system is set up, you know, uh, footwork is good. You know, uh, striking is good. But it comes down to it's it's a four triangle, reverse triangle, and ones and twos, and a couple of thrusts. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's That's all it is. And, That's and, it. But you know, in the same way that boxing is jab, cross, hook, uppercut, right? Like we can learn this stuff in a day, but it takes a lifetime really to, to, you know, to make it functional in accordance to how we evolve as human beings as well. That's the beauty, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I hate to interrupt, brother. Go ahead. No, no, it's good. This is an excellent conversation. And I think it's something that people need to hear. But let's say, you know, you're talking about this vast system, okay? Let's say that you've been in this thing for as long as I have, or or maybe even a little shorter than what I have been in it, and you've gone through every system and subsystem and whatever within the system itself. When you learn everything, then what? Then what? Yeah, then I mean, what? Do you, I don't know. <laughs> you know that that's the question. So there's people I run into, they're like, oh, well, do you know about this or this? It's like, no, I don't know about it. I can figure it out for you. And I and I see it. And it's like, okay, well, that's all there is. Well, I, I tell you what, anybody could figure that out if they're really if they're really serious about their craft, you could figure a lot of that stuff out on your own. Mm -hmm. And when it manifests itself in a drill that you might put together you know, somebody that that's a, a quote unquote expert or upper echelon might see that and be like, well, who taught you this? It's called this. Yeah. And that's where <laughs> I think it, you're like, well, yeah. I don't I didn't know what it was called. It just seemed logical. OK, <laughs> <laughs> right. This this guy that's moved this I way. And I did this. Yeah. yeah. You yes. know, so that's what and it be, is. Before before we move on, because I value the way you think and I think it, we, we think in similar terms. But before this gets into the side of this is how you should do it, I want to say people like uh, Tuhan Bill McGrath and Tuhan Philip Gelina, who are concerned with, you know, um, curating this body of knowledge and preserving it. I love those people, too. I'm, I'm just not them, you know, and those people have extreme value to the propagation and the preservation of Bikini Tertia. People like... Tuhan Philip, people like Tuhan Bill McGrath. So let me just quick shout out to them. You know, yes, they're absolutely. like the absolutely. well. They're the well that we draw from. We need what we take. Uh, we we take what we need, I should say. You know, and and we can do that. You know, because of guys like them. So just shout out to them and all the respect in the world, man, because they've been at it a long time. And and absolutely. and you know the cool thing, Tuhan Philip 
is is learning new things all the time from Pichiri Tersha ambassadors. Like he just learned Huego Tirada, Huego Todo, uh, I believe from you know from a number of sources. I remember you know Jeanette Ladoras being a part of that. Uh, I remember Erwin uh, Edwin Bayarta being a yeah, part Irwin, of that. Yeah. But to see to see this man go, I just learned a new methodos that I I never never had access to before. That's awesome. And then Tuhan Bill saying shit like, you know, uh, once in a while they gather and he wants his instructors to evolve Pikiti Tersha. He understands that he's not a grappler. He may never be a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt ever. But if he can create a Tuhan equitably, who is also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, then they're able to evolve. And I think that's what people are forgetting when it comes to Pikiti Tersha. It is a living art. It Thank is you. meant it is meant to be progressed, number one, as a whole, yes. But it's also supremely like it's like a garage. It's like Iron Man's garage. You know, you're not gonna take all of these weapons and put it on you. You're gonna take mission specific ones, understanding your capabilities and the demands of the mission. You take what you need because you cannot carry this entire armory all on your own so man what a beautiful thing right what yeah a beautiful it, thing it is and i'll say this about uh about tuhan phil and, and bill and, and a lot of the first generation guys like uh, eric canals and, and tom bizio and AK yeah, Luka, man. all these all Ooh. these ogs right they have the right to curate this i mean because you think about how long they've been in the game i mean longer than when i've sure. when i've been alive I would I would think that they would want to preserve that because of what it means to them. You know, so so absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, they they'll see value in certain things that that someone like me might find kind of mundane. You know, but right. but yeah, it's their it's their right, man, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what else is our right though? Uh, and um, I, I don't mean in disrespect by lumping you and me in the same category. <laughs> by no me by no means am I doing that. But, you know, I propose this, man. Even somebody who's a beginner, if you have the right kind of attitude and the right kind of mentality, you can create your own drills specific to your needs. I, I've made like 100 drills, you know, and people can go like, oh, okay, whoa, big deal, 100 drills. It's not really 100 drills uh, anyway, but it's like I, I observe how I perform under pressure. Right under competitive sparring, under multiple skill sets, and I identify my shortcomings and my weaknesses. I watch these videos over and over again. I put them in my editing platform and I analyze my performance. And then, based on those deficiencies, I create drills to strengthen uh, those weaknesses. And so, yeah, why? I, for sure, if I wanted to be more accurate, I can create accuracy drills. If I wanted, if my timing was off. I mean, that could be because of a number of factors, but I can create timing drills. Like, why not? At the end of the day, it's angle ones and twos and footwork, right? So, yeah, and is. I know myself better than anybody else. It is. I borrow from the athletic performance and combat sports model and I apply it to my Bikini Tersha practice as I am allowed to do based on, by virtue of Bikini Tersha itself. And I think people forget that. And I say it in jest when I say I am my own Tuhan. I am my own grandmaster. But I actually mean it. That's the funny. I mean it. You absolutely should. 
mean it and and it's a fact okay so again this is this this is kind of controversial and might rub some people the wrong way but a lot of folks are spoiled okay and, and and what i mean by that is they're constantly around sources of information you know uh they might have the financial means to go to the philippines and spend weeks there they might uh be able to hop in a car and drive you know an hour to go see somebody and just put together all this stuff right and and learn the system proper but you know when i was in my, in my formative years in the system it that wasn't the case for me you know leslie leslie's about 80 miles away from me so he's relatively close but his schedule was kind of off with my schedule and the people that i was training with down here and learning from uh rick riera and, and rob slikowski sometimes we could get together sometimes we couldn't so you know when when ricky promoted me to to lock on guru the thing that he said to me he's like you got it you you got it you understand i'm like man i don't understand shit what are you talking about and so when i went out to begin teaching i would try to teach from a curriculum standpoint and and what ended up happening over time was seeing that people weren't too responsive to that. Some people, they wanted to jump into sparring. Some people wanted to do all this stuff. So as a young teacher, you're dealing with, with that type of pressure. But ultimately, you know, I started developing drills based on the things that I understood within the system. So I, I created mm -hmm. drills. There's some things that I've done years ago that I don't, I can't even remember what they are. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. But if anybody's honest, if you're, if you're hundred percent honest, I don't care who you are. You, if you're doing a seminar or class, you're making shit up on the way to to the class, dude. You know, <laughs> you are, you are. I, I've I've you seen it. To. I've yeah. You know, because you go in, if you go in with an idea, you know, well, I'm going to do this. Well, guess what? You walk. Cause this, this has happened to me recently. Okay, I was doing a, a a workshop before all this COVID shit happened, and I walk in, I'm amped up. You know, I'm full of caffeine and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this shit. You know, this is what I'm going to do. Well, in walks an elderly man. And there's another elderly man that came in and he was on a cane. You know, he couldn't walk too well. And I'm like, well, there goes all the shit that I wanted to do. I didn't have a problem with that. You know, I was able to adapt on the fly. But a lot of these younger instructors, they might try to push you know what I mean? Something that yeah. just that isn't going to happen. So they don't have the they yeah. don't they don't have the understanding of how to do how to how to teach on the fly. They think that yeah. it, it all has to be right. structured. But in reality, right. I don't like I said again, in reality, I don't care who you are. You're you're making stuff up as it as you see the group respond to stuff. They respond positively, then okay, we can stay on this track. But we all know this yeah. isn't a perfect world. People are gonna fuck up. You're gonna get you're gonna get frustrated, and you're gonna have to dial it back. And that's where the discovery comes in. You find out exactly who you are within the system and your capabilities when you're in those situations. You have to. So much can go wrong in that seminar environment. You know, the best seminar instructors or the best instructors, period, are able. You have to be able to have a skeleton idea. But if that idea is so rigid that you cannot adapt or flow according to uh, the energy, the capability, the skill level and experience of the people who are going to be there, you fucked up. You fucked up big time, in my opinion. You're not, you're, you're serving this idea that isn't reflective of the needs of the students. 
And on that note, man, when, I mean, I said this in, in the Aperture Forum the other day that cops are like the trophy wives of martial <laughs> arts instructors. Yeah, they are. You know, I, I hear, especially FMA instructors, right? Well, oh, I got this cop student and he said that, you know, the thing that I taught him saved his life. I'm like, okay. Great. First of all, I don't believe that necessarily, you know, but fine. Have the story. Feel good about it. But if you can't adapt to the changing nature of, of the seminar, you're fucked. And, and here's another thing that happens. When a Filipino martial arts instructor get the opportunity, maybe we can call it an honor. Maybe we can call it even a privilege to teach in front of a department, a unit, a group comprising entirely of law enforcement or, or military personnel, the mistake that they make is that they don't take the time to understand why, why they've been brought there for. In other words, they don't take the time to understand what the needs are of the client. Instead, instead they serve themselves. They want to perpetuate the art. That's one. They want to show off their capabilities. Wow, look at me. I'm going to show you, you know, a hundred moves in the two, three, four hours that you've given me. I'm going to show you how awesome I am so that, and here's the thing, right? Here's what they say. I want to inspire them. And I'm like, bruh, that's great. You know, that's great. But now is not the time to be fucking inspirational. You need to be effective because you've been put here to teach them something not to inspire them to take up FMA, you know? And that's a common pitfall that a lot of instructors fall through. They don't understand why the people are there. And so they assume that their inherent goals take the stage. Okay, I love Balintawak. I love Kalis Illustrissimo. I love Pikiti. I'm going to inspire them to study this deeper because after 10 years, they may be able to defend against the I'm like, ah, you yeah. failed. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. I've taught law enforcement in the past and mm -hmm. I've, I've done a, a small army unit, nothing major. You know, some guys, uh, from a, a medical battalion at one of our bases here asked me to come. And nice. that, that was the worst fucking seminar I ever did in my life. <laughs> what happened for the, for those, re for, for the reasons that uh -huh. you're, that you're saying. Gotcha. You, you know, so gotcha. if you, you come, <laughs> this, again, again, this, this might piss people off. You come, you come in with your five elevens on shirt tucked in, you know, belt pulled up past your navel with your, with your little training knife clipped in. Yeah. You look, you look, you look good, but you, you have no fucking idea what these guys have to deal with out there. And yeah. when, when they start asking certain questions and, and you can't answer them, you, you kind of look like a fool, you know? Yeah the 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 positive thing that came out of uh what i did with the military that led to me doing presentations for like the uh the u.s probation office and the u.s marshals you know so they were able to see some of the stuff that i did uh but i i was able to finesse my way into that <laughs> i was able to talk my way into making those things happen but yeah you might have you might have said something or they may may have seen something as well right yeah, absolutely. They, I'm sure they understand this too. I'm sure they they go. Uh, I'm sure some of them are like, "Oh, here we go, another fucking martial artist." All right, let's go do some katas. I'm sure they do that. So you must have done something right. But a lot of times, man, those are those are dead ends for a lot of people, and they they squander the opportunity. So 
maybe you lucked out or maybe you did something right. Who knows, man? Yeah, well, it, nothing ever really came from it, you know, but uh, the point is, I'm somebody that I've I've trained them before, but I don't wear it like a, a badge of honor or anything like that because, yeah. uh, uh, again, you know, number one, I didn't secure any type of big contract behind it, and, and number two, I can't tell you the first thing about what it's like to be out on the street or on the battlefield when people are shooting at you and you're at close range and you have to kill somebody. I can't tell you that. You know, professionally, I've been a detention officer. I can tell you what it's like to get into a fight in a jail. I can tell right. you what it's like to be jumped. <laughs> I can talk about those things absolutely. You know, but I can't I I can't be this person that I'm dressed up to be, which is one of the reasons like when I train, I refuse to to wear like the tactical pants or anything like that. I don't yeah. like that shit. I show up usually yeah. <laughs> I, I show up in sweats. I call that my Pikiti yeah. unit my my Pikiti costume. I don't like wearing that. Dude, let me <laughs> tell you, there are some people uh, myself included. And I, I don't want to, I call myself a high level observer, if anything, right? I'm a high level observer. And what I've observed uh, in attending a lot of law enforcement, military and civilian based, you know, um, edge weapons seminars is that the dude dressed up the most for me, he's my best friend because that guy's going to go hard. He's going to look awesome. And he's good on camera. But the dudes who are going slow and methodical and just wearing a regular T-shirt and shorts uh, and who are like, uh, it sucks on camera, right? Because I want to make this seminar look dope. But those are the guys who are actually like the high-level dudes. Those are the, the killers. high-level guys. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it took me a little while to figure this out because I was impressed by the beard, tattoos, muscles, tack gear, you know, by the, quote, uniform, the dress. Uh, n not anymore, man. I, I, I watch, you know, and they come in all shapes and sizes, man. It could be an old dude in a cane with a cane. You know, it could be like a fat guy who's out of breath, but it's like this fat guy out of breath is actually digesting this material like a Big Mac, like really well. So, so I watch him and yeah, man, it, the, 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 the thing about FMA is it's fucking cool, man. especially Bikini Tertia, bro. It's, it looks fucking cool. Like, let's, I'm not going to dance around the idea that it's fucking cool. Right. But, you know, the art, the outward projection of that could be a little bit much sometimes. Man. I, I want to tell people to chill out at the end of the day. We're just, we're just moving around. Yeah. And, and, and we're not the only art that does that. There's a lot of others that express mm -hmm. themselves a little bit differently, you know? So the analogy that I always use with, with, a uh, people that I teach or, or, or friends, I say, you think of, you think of FMA as chicken. Okay. So I love chicken. Okay. So no way. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Me too. Okay. Wow. What a coincidence. So you, th you, you think about it, you're, 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 you're a well-traveled tra man. So you have Popeye's chicken, which is yep. which is awesome. You got Church's chicken, mm -hmm. which is and uh, you, yeah. you got KFC, you got Bush's chicken, you got all these different types of chicken. Mm -hmm. The only thing that makes things make them a little different is how they season things and how and the sides that they provide. You know, so right. at the end of the day it's still fucking chicken. You know, how many different right. how many different subsystems do you need to kill somebody? How many different moves do you need to kill somebody? I don't know, some good footwork right. in ones and twos. 
that's yeah. it. it it doesn't really so, take a whole lot you know so right. at, the, at the end of the day there's not one that's like superior to to another art it, they they just have a different approach you know what i mean and that right and, and that's kind of the the whole purpose behind this show is not just to highlight Pekiti Tersha, which is awesome, like you said, but also to highlight the different FMAs that are available around the world and also uh, the keepers of these arts that a lot of times they don't get talked about or highlighted because their, their story is right. very important. So we we went we went damn near an hour and I haven't even really asked any serious questions. We've just been chopping it up. So <laughs> <laughs> ask away, man. I'm ready. Yeah. So. So what? With Doug Markaita, he was uh, yep. he was the reason why I figured out what Funker Tactical was because at the time, you know, he was making some pretty cool videos, you know, that were, you know, like pieces of art compared to what was available at that particular time. You know, he had that yeah. one capturing the spirit of Kali, which I thought was beautiful, you know, and other and other things. You know, uh, how did he end up getting involved with you guys? Um, actually, there was a, a, a knife maker who was about to be bankrupt, and he spent his last $5,000 hiring me to make videos for him. And uh, he recruited Doug to be somebody who was in front of my camera, and that started the whole damn thing. We made a fuck ton of money from those videos. I um, And uh, selling these knives. But... The byproduct of that was something that completely changed my life. You know, it led me home to uh, Filipino martial arts. And uh, I'll always characterize my time with Doug Markaida as being, having served Filipino martial arts in a very real way, because I hear that all the time, you know. And the thing is, you know, I'm going to take some credit, man. Those Doug Markaida videos, a lot of those are my ideas, man. And it's... It, Essentially, the execution was all me. I don't want to take away from the fact that I still believe to this day that Doug Markaida is the number one ambassador we have for FMA when it comes to artistic expression. I don't think there's a person who can, who can express FMA as beautifully as Doug Markaida. Bottom yeah, line. That's I, my I, personal I, I, opinion. I agree. He's, he's the number one most recognized person in the Filipino martial arts in the world. I mean, there's no dispute in that. You're, you're absolutely right. Those those were amazing. I mean, and I and I had a great time. I had a great time with Doug. But interestingly enough, for one reason or another, that didn't inspire me to take up Filipino martial arts. It didn't you know? It wasn't until my association really with uh, with Jared. And in fact, as I was working with Doug. There's another guy, Tuhan Ray Dionaldo. Yeah. He, you know, I want to give him some credit too for inspiring me um, to take up Filipino martial arts or at least, you know, planted that seed, you know, really more than Doug did in that respect. And again, I'm being very frank and sometimes I get vilified for being direct with these things, but this is the truth, right? Um, Doug did inspire me to take up Filipino martial arts. Uh, one of our goals, and this is, this is part of why we kind of, again, this is all one-sided. Please, you know, understand that. It's, one, it's my perspective. Uh, but when Doug and I first started, it became our mandate together to promote 
Filipino martial arts and make it big in the Philippines. And I figure that the best way for anything to be big in the Philippines is to make it big in the West. Absolutely. And so that was, that was our approach. We wanted Filipinos who, to a large degree, and this is true even today, right? They disowned it. You know, it didn't have the, this, it didn't feel elite. It didn't even feel owned by the Philippines. You know, and that's kind of sad. That's slowly changing, but uh, yeah, that's that's. I forgot where I was going with this, but yeah, Doug Doug's a very special human being. Um, and if if I were to have a wish for my journey, it would be to get to fight Doug Markaida in a full contact stick fighting match. I would love to see what that looks like. Love to love to do that. Be, I've never seen him spar. Neither have I. I've I've never seen him, but again. You know, I know that there was a there was a video floating around years ago uh, to where it showed a young Doug Markaida, uh with the young Tim Wade, with the young Leslie Buck, with uh, mm. other people that are like big time right now, you know, that are like very important in the in, in the Kitty Tertia system uh, mm. that they were over in the Philippines. They were training with GT. And from what I understand, like one of the rites of passage back in those days is that, you know, Basically, you're gonna end up fighting somebody. You're gonna fight something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, yeah. I, I, I don't doubt that he had his, uh, his time in the ring or anything like that. But, but yeah, it would be interesting to see him. So, would be. It would be great to see him fight now. You know why not? Right? Like again, looking at Tuhan Phillip, like, yo, what's the excuse, bro? What's the excuse, man? Let's go. Okay, here we go on this podcast. I'm formally challenging Doug Markaida to a fight. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I challenge any two on to a fight, and uh, it, this is—I mean—you can look at this one of two ways, right? Who the fuck are you, Paulo? How dare you? But I see it as, man, what an honor it would be. You know, wouldn't be the first two honor guru that I fought, and I think it would be great. I think it would—it would be great if we can, sh- like. You know, culture, respect, all these things are extremely, extremely valuable, right? I love it. And I I don't want people to get the wrong idea. When I'm in your dojo, when I am a student under you for a moment in time, I'll do whatever you want me to, you know? Want me to kiss your ring? Sure. If that's part of your system, I'll, I'll fucking kiss your ring. I'll bow as low as you need me to in your house. I will respect your rules. But the thing about FMA is that it lives everywhere. So when your class is done, you know, I would like to be able to go, hey, bro, let's go put on some fencing masks and let's let's see some of these things, you know? So I challenge any Tuhan in the <laughs> nicest way possible. And I'm ready to receive the pain penalty in exchange for the knowledge that I gain. And that's really, really important to me, right? Like, I'm not going to pussyfoot around the idea that there's a fee for this knowledge. And I've been paying them, you know, from fucking concussions, multiple broken bones, more scars that I can count on my body, right? I pay the fee. That's the fee for this knowledge. I'll pay it. That's how that was the currency back then anyway, you know, this this immediate proof of your worthiness in this moment in time, not will the check clear, you know what I mean? Not what you did before, not who you were before or who you want to be. But just in this specific moment in time, let's just be two human beings. 
Let's step away from the massive imbalance of this, you know, teacher-student relationship. Let's be two human beings. And then when I step back into your dojo, you can beat the shit out of me. You can make me kneel down and do whatever. I'm your student again. But we need these boundaries for this art to move forward. And, bro, I've tried to be nice about, quote, challenging people. But certain individuals still carry this, how dare you ask me to spar you? And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, whatever, let's move on. I'm not going to push the issue. I'm just telling people now, there's not a person I wouldn't fight out there. Not a single one. Um, and under any rule set that they would like, up to and including Dog Brothers rule sets, I'm open to it. I love I mean, fucking, I make fun of weak half all the time, but it's actually really fun. It's actually really great. I love continuous fighting. I love point fighting with stoppages. You know, I love minimal armor. I love full armor. I love sparring with, you know, aluminum trainers and softy padded sticks. There's something to learn at every turn in the exploration of FMA if we can just allow ourselves to, you know, to, to let it be. Let it be the way it used to be, even for a moment in time. That's what's missing. Absolutely. So this kind of draws me into my last little couple bits of questions, or really the last yes, question. Um, the importance of documenting the FMA. Um, mm-hmm. Again, that was that was one of the, the things that got this show started. When you were on People Talking Kali, you said, you know, basically, I'm paraphrasing that this is this is the golden age of documenting what's going on. And you were like, paint, if you need to fucking paint. <laughs> and I was you like, need to paint. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I do need to paint. God damn. <laughs> you know, so, yes. so you, you're out here. I, I think that you're, you're putting together some, some masterpieces. I mean, there's, there's some stuff that you've put out that I want to see still like the, the Hen- Henry Aspara thing. I need to see that. I, I need, I need Dude. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people want that, but yeah, it's specific. You know, speaking specifically to that, I, there's some ethical things that I'm still kind of working out. And also, I want to I wanna be able to serve this guy, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm still working that out. Dude, the knife stuff is incredible. But, yes, you need to paint, man. You need to put yourself out there more. Everybody does. And here's something that I think people like you need to hear. We are in historical times right now. Okay? We have lost the opportunity to accurately document FMA's near history. It's not going to happen now. There is just no way. There are too many people filming. What what we need is a middle ground curator to go, hey, send me your footage. You know, Doug, send me your footage, Jared. Send me your footage, Tim. You know, and then hopefully I can... I can be demonstrative of the fact that I love all of FMA, despite Bikini being my base. But these are historical times, man. So keep making those videos. Keep putting yourself out there. And I just want people to be empowered to take ownership of this. Um, I got in trouble one time for saying there should be like German FMA. There should be French FMA. And there should be American FMA because those three countries have done so much for the Filipino martial arts. I would support it 100%. Just like, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu exists. There should be American FMA. That would be fucking awesome. 
there should be German FMA. That would be awesome. I would love the Germans and the Americans to fight. I would love for the French to show their depth and just, it's, it's incredible what the French people are doing with FMA. Um, this is ours, man. Doug, this is as much yours as it is mine. I believe Absolutely. that. You've, you've studied it way longer than I have, you know, but I'm, you know, Filipino. Whatever. It belongs as much to you as it does to me. Period. And I'm, gl I'm, I'm glad you say, you said that. Um, there was a former training partner of mine. Uh, again, these are one of the people I'm going to keep nameless because they're formal, for, former. We'll mm -hmm. talk offline about it, but. Uh, they used to bring up all the time, you know, we're Filipino, and this is part of my heritage. And it's like, well, you know what? It belongs as much to me as it does to you because I'm working this oh, shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's anything. Yes. That could go to that could go to fucking hip hop. You know, if hip hop just belonged to one group of people, then how the hell do you have Eminem? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's yeah. Somebody, and, somebody. and all the artists that he's empowered to perpetuate the culture of hip hop, you know? It's... Man, great example. So I'm going to end it on this. It's my 10 questions, man. And uh, this is going to be kind of rapid fire. You've heard the show before. Let's do it. All right. So what's, what's your favorite weapons category? Single knife. Your least favorite? Double stick. What do you love about FMA? That it exists. What turns you off about FMA? Dishonesty in the presentation of artistic concepts is practical. What do you love to do besides train? Fishing. What do you hate? Oh, I'm such a hateful person. That's such a hard question to ask. <laughs> um, honestly, dishonesty. Okay. What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. What martial art besides FMA would you like to try? Wrestling. What martial art would you not want to try? I do not. I don't want to try Kalari Priyatu, that Indian mother art. That shit's crazy. I've seen it before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to wear the diaper, man. I don't want to wear. I don't want to be topless with a diaper on. And oiled up and shit. Yeah, I can't do that. So uh, <laughs> the last thing, what, what, when it's all done, man, uh, what do you want your your legacy to be as a martial artist or or somebody that's in media? I want to be remembered as a creative problem solver. A creative pro yeah. problem solver, you say? Yeah. I love the idea of creative problem solving. It, it encompasses so much. It really does. Absolutely, man. That's beautiful. Well, bro, I appreciate you taking time out, man. I, I only anticipated talking to you for maybe 30 minutes. Uh, we've been at this at this point for over an hour. So It feels like 10 minutes, so I think there's something to be said about that. There has to be a part two to this shit, man. We gotta, we gotta do something because this. Uh, I didn't expect. Want, I didn't expect to flow like this, but uh, thanks again hey. for being on the show, man. Absolute pleasure, and yeah, I, I appreciate what you're doing. And remember, this is as much yours as it is anybody's.
So more power to you. And thank you for what you're doing here with this podcast. And uh, thank you for what you've you've done in promoting this beautiful, beautiful thing that belongs to all of us. So I appreciate that very much. Hey, thank you, man. Much love, bro. All right. One love. Peace. So I appreciate that very much. All right. One love. Thank you for listening to our show. Subscribe, rate, share, leave a review, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at South Texas Kali. Until next time, stay safe and train hard. Peace.